podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Now, Propo, is it a worrying sign that minutes, seconds even before we start recording this week's said Drush, neither of us are 100% clear on our Drew Locks of the week? Uh, I don't think it's that concerning for me because obviously I'm nine and four, so I'm sitting pretty, uh, and we're going into a competition between me and you, and you are two and eleven, and I'm nine and four, and it would take a uh, what is a Minneapolis miracle for you to come back from this point? Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, it would. You know, this is the thing, listeners. So many thoughts rolling through my mind right now. Firstly, shout out to Crystal Tom Collins going uh, electric. He is electric, electric crystal Tom Collins. He is nailing it right now. He's now what five and zero with his Drew Lock? Six and zero, I believe. Six and zero, and then three and zero with the Air Josh Ackers as well. Taylor Heineke Acker. So thank God we gave him the Taylor Heineke Acker to control. Yeah. Although I would point out, I'm beating you if we are seeing as you are comparing. I'm beating you on the Heineke Taylor Heineke Acker. This yeah, season. but that was never meant to be a competition. We do that as a team. We do that as a team. I'm grasping at any straw I can. The, yeah, the Drew Locks has always been the competition, and it has. The, yeah, yeah, the Acker's meant to be teamwork. So we all take credit for Crystal Tom Collins' success at the end of the day. It was our idea True, to give fair. him the Acker. So mm. I think we have to take some credit there. But I mean, if now if we're going into mm. this, say, like you're a head coach, like you're Nathaniel mm. Hackett at this stage of the season, <laughs> and someone Nathaniel Hackett fixed. Yeah, someone comes up to you and says, You have a reporter coming up to you after the game and just mm. goes, Look, another week, another mm-hmm. loss, Nat. Mm-hmm. What went wrong? What are your thoughts going into the next week? What would I say? I would say, look, I really accept full responsibility for the poor performance of my Drew Locks of the week this season. I would, uh, there's a lot of talent in this picking mind of mine. I point out that last season we were a playoff side. There we, we go. Deep, yeah. We went deep in the playoffs, right? Um, and, and what I need right now is for uh, everybody to group around me, for those close to me to group around me, to help me re- help reinstall the confidence that I... N- need because I know that that ability is in there not for example Propo firing shots uh, within seconds of starting the show or may I point out Ali Nichols a listener of mm-hmm. ours hi Ali <laughs> I got in touch with us on Instagram with the following he had a screen grab helpfully of your Drew Lock of the week last week which as you point out came in Crystal Tom Collins's Drew Lock of the week and then the opposite to my Drew Lock of the Week, which was, of course, I backed the Washington Commanders to to, to cover. And the New York Giants, plus 3.5, was the other win on his bet slip. This is the accompanying message, Probo. I call this the tease Drew Lock Heineke Yaka. Back Propo and Tom Collins' pick and oppose Nat. <laughs> Sorry, Nat, but your tilt is too consistent. Teased everything to either under or over a field goal. So he's wheeling some teases in there as well, which is very exciting. So so maybe that's the option going forwards. Until Coco and Pebbles take over my picks, which how close are they now, Propo? Oh, they're pretty close. Actually. So what are you? So turn 11, so you're nine 13. down. So you're nine. So we're going to go below. Yeah, so you're currently 16. You're 16 and six. So you're... 18 and 17. 18 and 17. So this could be yes. a week. <laughs> right. So if I get my Drew Lock wrong this week, hang on. A, a Pebbles and Coco taking over at below 500. Below 500. Below 500. 500. Yeah. Another so so you've got weeks. another week. Yeah. To save it. Just to be clear for listeners new to Edge Rush, you maybe haven't caught that. 
based on this season, I'm a bust. But what we've agreed is over the last two seasons, because last season went well, if I go below 500, <laughs> grouping the two seasons together, that is when the kittens in my house, well, they're kind of adolescent cats now, I guess, uh, Coco and Pebbles take over the pigs. Right, <laughs> probably, probably have more success. As All I've right. said though, the whole way through, Nat, it's really impressive how bad you are at this. Thank you very much. Uh, how bad I am this season proper? Just you wait. But we are rolling this show for years, my friend. You are gonna. All of this is gonna come back to roost. Let yeah, that will be. That will definitely be a year at some point. But I'm gonna make the most of this while I can because you're definitely gonna you rub are. it in when the roles are reversed. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. But again, yeah, a tie. Of course, it was a tie. Of course, it was a tie. Of course, it was a tie. All right. Let's roll propos. So we've got, as usual, three games that we are drilling down in a bit more detail. We have your proper prop bets of the week are uh, Drew Locks along with Crystal Toms. And he, as we've established, is in charge of the Taylor Heineke Yaka. So a lot. And we're going to have some um, Baker's Bowl picks. Oh, of course, Baker now is still going with the Baker Bowl pick. I guess he's it's named after him. We, we honor that, right? Yeah. And I won my Baker Bowl pick last week as well. So I take full credit for that. What, remind me, what was your Baker Bowl yeah, pick? Yeah, I need to remind her, but I definitely did win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that look on your face. I won it, but I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely did. Oh, Bengals. Bengals with the Chiefs. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. That was, we both backed our, um, yeah, mm. we both backed our our favourite teams. And uh, you took me and Tom Collins on. Me and Tom Collins both took the uh, Niners. Yeah, and obviously you did. took the Dolphins. And uh, the Niners, where they uh, missed a relevant quarterback, still managed to come off, what, 16-point winners? I, I, I mean, um, unbelievable to all cats. The moment Garoppolo went down, I thought, yes, yes, finally, a bit of luck. With respect to Jimmy G. Oh, Jimmy G, news coming out. They could be back in, in the playoffs, right? Not going to need surgery. Mm. Big news. Um, where are you on Brock Purdy? I haven't seen nearly enough of him to be able to make any kinds of conclusions. I think you'd have to expect a natural regression. Although the one thing that he did have, which is huge in this league, especially going into a situation like that. It wasn't exactly like an easy game. It's not like he's going up against the Houston Texans or it's a game where you knew that he could rely on all the stars around him to get the job done. He still had to go up against a Miami Dolphins team that you knew would fire back at him, really, mm. with that kind of firepower of Tua, Tariq Hill. I know Waddle was down and they still do have some players on defense, although the d- defense did perform pretty badly, but he still demonstrated composure yeah. to understand the offense really well. The right. situation didn't seem too big for him. So that was really impressive, but at the same time, that is him going into a situation where I'm assuming the Miami Dolphins did not prepare for Brock Purdy to go in at any point. They were f- mainly focusing on the weaknesses of Jimmy G and trying to take down Jimmy G. Mm. And I think that with a week building up to Brock Purdy playing at quarterback, there'll be the opportunity for the opposition. They're going up against the Bucks, Todd Bowles, a stout defensive mind. Mm. Realistically, they're going to have a lot of opportunity to research Brock Purdy's tape see what his weaknesses are. And I think that may cause him a lot more issues than we saw last weekend. But at the same time, when you've got an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, when you've got a running game like they do with CMC, Elijah Mitchell, and of course, Debo Samuel as well. And you've got all of those players like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, who can really get it going in the slot and make passes easy for him by getting open. And he's got a very good offensive line, to say the least. So I think he's Unlike got the, the situation. Box. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting, isn't it, that game? That's one of many, and we were saying just before we started rolling, it's a tough old slate again this mm. week. A lot of games really dividing opinion, right? And that is one of them. So the Bucks, 49ers, the 49ers, are they, is it three and a half now, the line? Yeah, the line is at three and a half. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's quite big. Realistically, when you're going up against Tom Brady, and you've got Mister Relevant going up against Tom Brady, and the line mm. is at minus three and a half. Yes, it's in San Francisco, 
But at the same time, you still think that Tom Brady would have the advantage over this 49ers team with a rookie quarterback. But I think that's just a uh, a neat encapsulation of how special this team is outside of the quarterback for San Francisco. Like yeah. I think you could even put probably you at quarterback and they'd probably still finish 500. <laughs> still cover the spread. Yeah. The- uh, on that Todd Bowles note, four and eleven rookie quarterbacks against Todd Bowles, where he's either been a head coach or defensive coordinator. Better check in. Uh, that isn't one of the games we are going to get into. We're going to look at Miami, LA, and the LA Chargers, of course, New England, Arizona, Jacksonville, Tennessee. A game I know you've uh, been keeping your eye on, Propo, because we were exchanging WhatsApp messages. I know that's in your thinking, maybe for your lock of the week. Before we get into that slate, though, one other one, uh, speaking of your Bengals, because speaking of in my thinking, when we were messaging each other yesterday saying, what are you looking for for Drew Locke? The Bengals Browns is fascinating, right? Because it's an easy trap, right? Given Mm -hmm. the Bengals off a big win, the Bengals Mm -hmm. are rolling, Deshaun Watson look rubbish. But of course, the Browns have had the Bengals card marked in, in, in recent seasons. And of course, uh, big win already earlier this season. The Bengals have covered the spread nine of the last 10 weeks, mm-hmm. which I, I, I'm just not buying that. What was the what, one game they didn't cover in the last nine out of 10? Ooh, I don't know. What was it? Cleveland Browns. On oh, it was the Browns game. Okay. Yeah. Was that, did that defeat fall into it? Okay, fine. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and the line is now has moved up to six, right? Uh-huh. A lot of money coming in. I still think it was under a touch- touchdown. It's tempting. It's interesting because I think it's under a touchdown and it's obviously in Cincinnati, which you think would have an impact on it. I can tell you that the tickets are majoritively on the Cincinnati Bengals whilst the cash is on the Cleveland Browns. There's sharp money coming in on Cleveland, but that is because of the history between these two teams, or should I say the recent history, Joe Burrow yet to beat the Cleveland Browns since his arrival in Cincinnati, which is incredible when you think about the success he's had in the early parts of his career. How are you feeling about it? Do you think that that's got to change at some point, right? He's going to beat the Browns at some point. It's got to change, and I would love it to be this week. With the person that Joe Burrow is going Mm. up against Deshaun Watson with the situation and the context surrounding it, I think this is a perfect opportunity for Joe Burrow to finally get that win over the Cleveland Browns and kind of I'd love them to absolutely destroy them as well and really sort of make a statement in this moment that the Cleveland Browns are nowhere near up to the Cincinnati Bengals level, which I really hope they're not. And I don't think they are in terms of the grand scheme of the NFL. But at the same time, the one aspect that the Cleveland Browns have always had over the Cincinnati Bengals is a massive mismatch from their defensive front against our offensive line. And yes, the offensive line has improved this season for Cincinnati compared to last season, mm. but it's gone to, let's say, average, I think. Mm. In it wasn't terms a of high bar to improve. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It wasn't a high bar to improve on. So I think it's gone to average. And the Cleveland Browns have a player called Miles Garrett who every single time he plays against Cincinnati Bengals seems to have his game of the year. It seems to be the one that he gets mm. up for every single time. He knows there's weaknesses on that offensive line and he knows exactly how to exploit them. And you thought maybe with all the changes this year, that would change. But then on Halloween, which is Miles Garrett's seeming favorite time of year with that weird sort of graveyard that he has in his garden with all the QB names on it. And he's got that tiny little Kyle Amari one, which always makes <laughs> me laugh as well. Uh, yeah. So I think that that is my fear going into this one. And that's why there is sharp money coming in on the Cleveland Browns because because of the fact that the Cleveland Browns up front have always dominated the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals haven't been able to generate that much pass rush in recent weeks outside of Trey Hendrickson. And that's a problem, Mm. especially going up against the Cleveland Browns who have such a strong offensive line. So if they can keep Deshaun Watson protected, give him as much time as he needs, 
uh, to be able to get the ball to the likes of Amari Cooper, then the Cleveland Browns could have some success, even though Deshaun Watson did look abject last week. And then mm. on the other side of it, if they cause Joe Burrow a significant amount of issues like they did on Halloween, that could cause problems. That being said, I still expect the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. Mm. I'm just not sure that They're they'll be able cover. to cover that six-point spread because I think it's going to be kept relatively close. It's a divisional game. The Cleveland Browns will be really looking to sort of make a statement over their divisional rivals. So mm. I think that as much as I obviously really hope that the Cincinnati Bengals go out there and beat them by 30. Mm. I wouldn't bank on it or put a significant amount of money they're going to cover by six just because of the history of these fixtures in recent years. Okay. Uh, fair enough. It's a yeah, dangerous, tempting but dangerous line. And that's a that's a pretty decent argument uh, against backing the Bengals in that spot. Other bit of news, actually, I just wanted to get into before we get into our games. Coming out of Dallas... After Odell Beckham's visit, no offer made. And it, according to, uh, well, I'm reading Coral Smith on NFL.com, but obviously multiple reports here that, oh, Jane Slater was the original reporter on it. The Cowboys didn't extend the offer to Beckham because it was unclear as to what was going to happen in the 2022 season. That's the story that's coming out. So in other words, how available was he going to be for, for this season? So joining the dots that Beckham's not, Ready to go? There are concerns he's ready to go. Surprised that he's not going to land at Dallas. I think a lot of people thought that would be his spot. Yeah, I mean, that is bizarre. I mean, realistically, if he's not ready to go, then obviously they're not going to invest money into him. But at the same time, I don't understand why we witnessed him, Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs all go to a basketball game together. I think they went to watch the Mavericks. There's been all of these sort of subliminal messages about mm. OBJ saying that he's going to go and end up at the Cowboys or saying that is his preferred destination. I mean, he still not, could, by the way, just to be clear. That's what I, I think. I think that might be a little bit of a smokescreen, to be honest with you. I think they're delaying it a little bit. Mm. I think they'll probably see what happens for the rest of the season. They'll see how well this offense performs. And I do think that Dak Prescott, I think the numbers have been inflated by the success of this run game. I think the numbers have been inflated by how well Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are playing and how well the yeah. defense is playing. Perfect yeah. example was the game last week. You said it just before we came on air. You think that the Cowboys, obviously, they should destroy the Houston Texans, but it's always a dangerous number off the back of a Cowboys victory where a lot of people probably watched the highlights and didn't realize that that game was actually relatively close up until a yeah. fourth quarter, a record breaking fourth quarter like we've never seen and a complete deterioration from Matt Ryan. And I don't think Dak Prescott necessarily had the best game in there. So I think that if they still can get OBJ, I think if he is fit and raring to go and can have at least some contribution that we know he can or like that replicates what he did for the LA Rams last year in the playoffs, then I think the Dallas Cowboys will still go and pick him up. And especially yeah. because Jerry Jones knows how many shirts they'll sell. Well, exactly. They're going to ching on that. I just want to not sure how fit he's going to be for this season, which would be the temptation, right? The kind of short, as you said, with the Rams, the kind of short-term fix there. Although if he hadn't got injured, would he be with the Rams this year? Yeah, I guess he would, right? Um, yeah. Okay, let's get down to it. Miami, LA, Sunday Night Football, of course. This is an intriguing one because the Chargers, I, you know how certain phases and stages of the season, there are, particular characters that are in the firing line and it just seems to gain momentum and everyone seems to be firing shots left, right and centre. Staley seems to be very much in the eye of the storm right now. Everywhere I look, it's from the shock jock season idiot to, you know, more cerebral assessments of why he is short stacking one of the best young quarterbacks of his generation, the offensive Game plan and play calling is a mess. 
Look, the line's clearly horrendous, right? The charge is allowing pressure, top six uh, in allowing mm-hmm. pressure. So the line isn't helping at all. Injuries haven't helped either offensively. And despite all of this, Herbert's still keeping them in, in some kind of contention. But it's the defense that's the biggest problem here, isn't it? Only Arizona and Detroit giving up more points, 25.8 per game. Could be without Derwin James as well. I mean... Defensively, if you weigh this up, this looks like an absolute shoo-in for Miami, right? Bounce back game for the Finns. They were the line was banged up, of course, last week against uh, the 49ers, and that had a big part to play in. Uh, I, I guess the problems too are had and and being fast and loose with the ball. It's a nice landing spot for him for them. This should be Miami all the way, right on paper. But is there more to it than meets the eye? It's a really interesting game because I think, as you've already pointed out, it's a perfect representation of the spotlight that should be put on the LA Chargers as an organization and the way they have handled the rookie contract so far of Justin Herbert. Look, you're going up against Tua Tungavaila, who during last season, people were slating and people Mm -hmm. were saying that he's not necessarily going to be a successful quarterback in this league. Look what happens when you give him an extra weapon and an offensive-minded coach. The Miami Dolphins allow a similar pressure rate to the LA Chargers, yet because of the scheme, because of what Mike McDaniels is drawing up for them, is allowing... Tua to get the ball out quicker. He's scheming for Tua to get the ball out quicker. And he also has the wide receivers to get open in that space of time. Whereas the LA Chargers do not have the scheme for that. They don't allow Justin Herbert or provide him with either the scheme or the offensive line to have any kind of success. Justin Herbert, and this is coming from a Cincinnati Bengals fan who couldn't be a bigger fan or promoter of Joe Burrow and what he has done for that organization. But you look at Justin Herbert, you look at Tua, you look at Jalen Hurts, you look at Joe Burrow, you look at all the quarterbacks in that draft, and you would say that Justin Herbert has the most raw talent. He has the most promise out of all of those quarterbacks just based off the way he handles himself on the field and also how he can throw the ball and the throws that he can complete. Yet he is the one who is having the least success because of the organization around him. What the Cincinnati Bengals have is they went and got Jamar Chase. They went and got Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow's favorite possible weapon, and look at the success that has brought him. Mm -hmm. As well as that, I criticize Zach Taylor all the time, but at least he went out and got Jamar Chase. At least they drafted T. Higgins in the same draft Mm -hmm. as Joe Burrow. They got him offensive weapons. And then they've also got a defensive coordinator and Luana Rumo, who knows exactly what he's doing, who will get Joe Burrow on the field enough for him to create plays for them to go out and win games. You look at Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at the way that Howie Roseman has built that roster around Jalen Hurts, going out and getting AJ Brown, going and building from the offensive line and the defensive front well, the blueprint, the blueprint is Buffalo, right? And and exactly. getting things for Allen and, and everybody's following suit. And it it's one of those things because we're in a copycat league and sometimes it feels so self-evident after the event. But of course, it makes a huge amount of sense to do that. But we're seeing more and more that teams have understood that that's where investment needs to go. And, and the Chargers are not doing that. So wh- where are you on the long-term future then for for Herbert? Is it going to be a problem that we've seen with a number of quarterbacks over the years, I guess, if the situation is so discordant compared to his contemporaries? Is he going to regress? I'm not sure he's necessarily going to regress. I think that what could happen, which is going to be painful for Chargers fans to hear, is you're just going to see a replication of Phil Rivers' career. I think you're just going to see the exact (laughs) same thing happen again 
for the LA Chargers and this incredibly promising quarterback with an insane level of talent. And I think unless they make a change, because I think you look at the problem with the Chargers is, and I feel like all of the fans must be as disillusioned as anyone in the NFL right now, is they haven't improved in any aspect. The line hasn't got any better than last mm. season. The Last season, their run defense was one of the worst in the league. Guess what? Their run defense is one of the worst in the league this year. They still don't have a run game. They still can't see, can't get Austin Eckler going on the ground. Their passing offense is so basic. It's so reliant on Justin Herbert making incredible throws and Keenan Allen going and making incredible plays. Look at that passing touchdown last week, which slightly got them back in the game against the Raiders. That was literally just Justin Herbert extending the play, throwing it up, putting it in the perfect place for Keenan Allen to though go and then make a play. Yes, they haven't been without Mike Williams. They have been without Mike Williams this season. They haven't had Keenan Allen in every single game, but you can't just rely on the stars to go out and make plays every single game and expect to go deep in the playoffs. Yes, they might be able to scrape the playoffs because that's how much talent they have on offense. But realistically, you need to create a better situation around Herbert, especially from the defense. They need to get him on the field more. And then on the offense, you need to have a better playbook and you need to have more weapons there for him and obviously a better offensive line as well. So I don't think we'll necessarily see a regression from Justin Herbert, but I think what you're going to see is a player who puts this team on his back week in, week out, but doesn't get any help around him. And I mm. think that could can only get you so far as the wild card round, maybe a divisional round. But as far as that, I can't see them ever being able to get over the Chiefs in the AFC West while Mahomes and Andy right. Reid are there together. I can't getting see them it, getting yeah. in the playoff race and you look exactly. at it. Like there's okay, sure they're there, but they're yeah. always going to be. It's like the number seven, eight seed at, at Wimbledon. You know, exactly. Never, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to win the anything. Tim Edmund. <laughs> the line is fifty-one and a half. The totals fifty-one and a half, and the Dolphins on the road, giving up three points. Are you going to take any action on either there? Do you know what's really interesting is, as I was watching the line uh, constantly, because I was looking at this game quite intently, because I think it's a really interesting game. I think it's one of the games of the week. Both teams uh, with a lot of motivation going into this one, very much in the playoff race. And it moved to three and a half very briefly for the LA Chargers. Mm. And I wasn't stout enough to go and get it at that exact moment. Within about three minutes, it moved back down to three. So clearly mm -hmm. there is a lot of people waiting for that three and a half and they'll go in on the Chargers. And whilst it's at three, it's go people are going in on the Dolphins. And that makes sense because the Chargers can keep games close. They have the talent to keep games close. Well, you've got Justin Herbert. He can create enough that you'll always sneak a backdoor cover in these kinds of situations because of mm. what he can do. But obviously that three is a push when realistically they're probably going to lose. This game will probably be a field goal game. It looks like that anyway. And I think that that's why if it goes to three and a half, people will flood in on the LA Chargers. Whilst it's at three, I'm probably going to leave it alone. I'm more tempted by the LA Chargers for that reason. that I think that they can get the ball moving on this Miami Dolphins defense, which hasn't looked great in recent weeks. I think the Tua it will be able to easily have a bounce back game after throwing mm. two interceptions last week against the 49ers, but he was very much going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL and now is going up against one of the worst. I think that I will go on the over in this game. It looks yeah. kind of like a square play, but at the same time, I think it makes sense. I think it's the bright light. I think Justin Herbert will be looking to put on a show. What do I always say? 
the bright light says something there's something yeah something when the <laughs> when the lights are bright the stars will shine now That's and i think we've got, we've got stars all over the field here you've got keenan allen looks like mike williams is going to return that could be huge you've got justin herbert you've got Tua. you've got tyreek hill i think the dolphins mm. will be able to put up a lot of points and i think mm. in response to that the chargers are going to have to put the ball in justin herbert's hands i think they'll use eckler a lot out the backfield and i think they'll go to keenan allen a lot and gerald everett the tight end who had a big game last week so i think over 51 and a half to play here I like the over for sure. I like the Dolphins in this spot. Three and a half, it, it, that, that extra is crucial, of course. But at three, I like the Dolphins a lot. The, you hit the prime time, nail on the head. Two is in the MVP conversation. You see the Pro Bowl vaulting, pro vaulting voting for Tua flying right now. Waddle, Hill. Waddle's going to hit a thousand yards on the season in this game. Hill has been lights out all year. The Dolphins, this game was flexed, incidentally, into, into prime time, right? The Dolphins are going to turn it on. It's a bounce back spot after last week. They're definite playoff contenders. They're definite contenders, I think, Miami. And I think the win, they get the win here. I think it's, I think it's, oh, I, I'm like them with three. I think it might even be more convincing than that, but I'm going to take it. Miami, I'm going to look at that. Speaking of prime time and speaking of flexing, <laughs> ESPN, unable to flex their Monday night football games, of course. The Patriots Cardinals. Can't wait, proper. Can't wait. This is such a 2022 NFL season primetime game, isn't it? It's like the epitome <laughs> of what we've had so far this season. It seemingly has been a rough year for primetime games. Outside of an incredible Thanksgiving, I can only remember a couple of games, maybe like Chargers Chiefs in the early part of the season. But apart mm-hmm. from that, we have witnessed some absolute stinkers in primetime. And I think this has the potential to be a stinker. But at the same time, both these teams are so unpredictable Yeah, that it could actually become very entertaining. And I think you've got two quarterbacks who've had very much disappointing years. I know Mac Jones is blaming the offensive play callers in New England, which seems very much fair enough considering who's involved there. They're like some Matt Patricia, of course. But at the same time, like I You still... know what that, I mean, because obviously that footage has gone everywhere and yeah. Jones kicking off and uh, and all of the reactions. Wow, what do you expect? And I, and I guess particularly underpinned by how bad the offense has been over the last few weeks but do you remember about four or five weeks in i might have been might have coincided with the bailey zappy era oh how quick we were to judge matt patricia and actually the patriots they're having the last laugh did you remember that narrative that was no. that was in this season yeah, yeah people were saying well they look good they're competent with zappy it's simple they're keeping it it's when stevens has started to ball as well it was okay we're not dealing with an Andy Reid level offense here, but there was definitely a lot of, oh, maybe we were too quick to judge Patricia. And that has just collapsed in the last it couple has of completely weeks. Collapsed. But I think there was a ceiling. I think we've just hit the ceiling for what they can achieve. You know, like they can keep it simple and they can beat the average um, defenses in this league. But I think anyone with any kind of competence, they will struggle against. Obviously, Matt Jones in this offense had a great game against the Minnesota Vikings, but we all know that the Minnesota Vikings secondary is not very impressive and their biggest weakness. So it's not that impressive that they were able to do that. Of course, came unstuck against the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Cardinals defense is bad. They don't really have any success on any aspect of that unit realistically their secondary is very poor so you should see the likes of Devontae Parker getting some success I think they've allowed a touchdown to tight ends in something like six or seven games already this season they are one of the worst teams against tight ends and obviously going up against a team that has Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith Mm. 
playing for them. That means that the Patriots should have some success going there as well. And then of course, the run game as well. The Cardinals aren't good at stopping the run. And Ramondre Stevenson is such an important part of this Patriots offense that if he gets going, I think that creates better opportunity for Mac Jones to go and make plays. And I think that will be the key part for the New England Patriots in this game. On the other side of the ball, Carlo Murray has the capability to exploit what is, without a doubt, the New England Patriots' biggest weakness on defense, which is a mobile quarterback. We saw Justin Fields completely torch them. I think that was on a Monday night football game a couple of weeks ago. And obviously Josh Allen last week as well. They didn't know how to stop him. So I think if Carlo Murray can get creative with his legs, ignore whatever Cliff Kingsbury's telling him, because we all know that's the key to success for this Cardinals offense, and he can just go out there and do what Carlo Kyler Murray can do whilst being incredibly grumpy at the same time as we've seen him be. I think that the um, Cardinals can cause some problems for the Patriots defense as well. So the Patriots are one and a half point favorites. Oh yeah. And the total is 44 and a half. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a little bit like the Pittsburgh game as well. I won't go near it because you nailed it right at the very top. The unpredictability. So unpredictable. I mean, my God, if I, Gone to the head. I've got to pick a team. I think I'd go Patriot. I think I'd back so Belichick. I. I think. Yeah. I think the to me that that's a logical play. I guess they got more to play for too right now. The Cardinals, Nada. It's Belichick over Kingsbury. Late hopes of the playoffs. I guess the Patriots grind it out. It's the under an interesting play for you here. Ah, this is now. This is probably a record-breaking week. It's our fifty-first show together now, Edrush. Fifty-first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, we didn't do a half-century show, yeah, like did. a half-century special, which is poor from us. But I think that was uh, to shine less light on your terrible record on this. Wait a minute, I just got me thinking. Actually, so how many is this? Our third season of Edrush. Uh, yeah, but we didn't do Drew Locks in the first season. We didn't do Drew Locks. No, but we, we did do... picks. We had picks, right? Or not? Yeah, we had picks. Are you going to make me go I through I want you to go back. The... <laughs> I want to know what my three-year record, record is. It might be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Year. That would be. Oh, it'd be amazing. So, okay. I mean, I'm trying to think. Okay, fine. If you mm-hmm. get back, if you win three Drew Locks in a row, I'll give you this. Uh, you're gonna I will it. go back through every single show and work out your overall, uh, all of our overall records. Like I'm incredible. Uh, every single pick. All right. Every single pick we've ever given out. I will go gotta get it. I got it. So yeah, that's motivation for you. <laughs> what yeah. um, what was I going to say? The that's a hell of a. I mean, God, I'm not sure I want to see what that record actually actually <laughs> is after all. What? So last year, 16 and six. So we went all the way through and picked to the Super Bowl. Obviously, right? We yeah, went, we went through all the way to pick to the Super Bowl. It was it was a really good race between me and you as well. It was tied pretty much the whole way. Mm. And then I think you went into Super Bowl 16 and five, and I went in 15 and six. And then mm. you took the Rams minus three and a half, and I took the Bengals plus three and a half. And obviously, you know, the Rams won by three. The, yeah, the. So I'm just trying to think where I can what I can salvage my record this season to. They're obviously not 500, but I can kind of get to, I can, in in NFL parallel terms. I can kind of become, no. I think you could get to you could get to 500. Can I get to 500? Yeah, because it's 22. No, yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah, we've already had 13. So oh yes, yes I could. I you could, could get to. I've got to run the table. Come on, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I still don't know where I'm going this week. This will make you laugh. You know the World Cup show. Of course, you know the World Cup show. Yeah. You, you are involved with it. The um the, the predictions comp. Yeah. So this is for the benefit of listeners. Different guests every day on the show, and it's legends, right? So Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Louis Saha has been in, Emmanuel Petit was on yesterday. Um. And we pick the and we pick the games for the following day, right? Because this goes out in the US and Canada 
early evening, right? So we're looking ahead mainly, reacting to the games, they're looking ahead. So there's a picks competition in that. I'm winning by six. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe I should just give up. <laughs> Maybe I should just give up NFL picks and flip it to football picks. Yeah, not only am I winning by six, and they're easy, they're just head straight up picks, right? Not uh, anything else, but... You you pick the scoreline as well. You get extra points if you pick the scoreline. I've landed the right scoreline four times now. Really? <laughs> so I think maybe maybe I'm missing my true calling problem, or maybe we have an edge rush spinoff show where we can just do do. Uh, I think football's picks. so hard to bet on though, like English football. The World Cup's actually not been too bad, but the English. Oh, I don't know. There've been some real shocks in the World there Cup. There have been some real shocks, but I had a. Uh, I knew. Well, I didn't know, obviously, but Morocco to draw with Spain was one of my better bets of the. Oh, uh, that's a great shout. I love yeah, that. I just knew they were going to park the bus. I was on Morocco to to qual- win the tie, basically to get through. Yeah, for exactly that reason, because you think shit it gets to extra time penalties. Come on, it could go either way. The uh... but I was going to say, I mean, we've gone massively off piece here, but mm. going into my mm. original point was like fifty one shows. Who would have ever thought? I don't know if we've ever ever heard of this before, Nat. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go back to back overs in back to back prime time overs. I'm going for here. Under's king of Plumptons go for the over. If there There'd was be, a game on yeah. the slate that I would have almost bet my house on the fact you pick the under as the under kings of punters would be this one there have been at least 44 total points in each of arizona's last six games and i genuinely think that that is quite a reasonable and reachable target here if you look at the way the new england patriots played against the minnesota vikings away from home the cardinals were able to get points up on them i think that you've obviously got hollywood brown back you've got deandre hopkins they have enough in their secondary to be able to cause the Patriots problems. And on the other side, I think this is another great get right spot for this Patriots offense. I think Stevenson's going to have a big game. Mm. And I think that new England will be able to put up points. And I think 44 is actually quite a low total in the grand scheme of things. And I think that this could easily have sort of 26, 20 in this game. I think we could see it yeah. going that way. And I think you, yeah, yeah. It's also good to note that um, Arizona have only won one game at home all season, yeah. and that was that freak game against the terrible New Orleans Saints. So I think what I'll probably do is end up back in the New England Patriots, but my stronger play this week is definitely the over. Okay, love that. Uh, love the fact you're just on the over side of the line for once. Uh, okay, let's talk about this Jacksonville-Tennessee game, because as we said earlier on, it's on your radar as maybe your Drew Lock of the week. Yeah. Interesting situation in... Tennessee, of course, John Robertson, the GM, being fired mid-season, which you don't see very often, certainly not for a team that's in playoff contention, albeit a struggling team. And uh, and these are two t- teams, offensively anyway, trending in a very different direction, right? Since week 10, the Titans are 25th in points per drive, 23rd in EPA per drive. Red zone, up until that point, one of the best in the business, fallen off a cliff. Conversely, the Trevor Lawrence specifically, and the Jags, I guess more broadly, starting to find some real composure. Seven touchdowns, no picks for Lawrence since week nine. So the Jags coming in as dogs here, but there's a bit of buzz about them as a decent dog pick. They're getting four on the road. Are you liking them with the points or would you be considering them as a Baker Bold straight up? So I was... When I was messaging yesterday saying that I was considering the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Drew Lock of the Week, mm. that was uh, before I realised that they have lost 19 games on the road on the bounce. <laughs> well, that, much like my Drew Lock picks, that tilt's got to end at some point, right? At some point, yeah. that's got to end. It's true. And 
I think that the reason why, okay, I'll give the argument for why I was favoring the Jaguars in this spot and initially, mm-hmm. and that was because of what we've seen in terms of the regression in the Titans offense, as you've already pointed out. And I think that when the scoring is that big of an issue for the Tennessee Titans, and when you look at where they get success, and that's with the run game, you look at why they've been lost significantly in the last two weeks against the Bengals and the Eagles. That's because Derek Henry hasn't been able to get going. He finished, what, below 50 yards in both games or just went over 50 yards against the Bengals and was doing sort of about three yards a carry. And when you're going up against a Jacksonville Jaguars team that is significantly better at stopping the run than they are uh, in the secondary. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars' biggest weakness by a country mile in this team overall is the secondary. And Mm. I just don't think the Tennessee Titans have the capability with this receiving core to exploit the Jaguars' weaknesses. And if they're unable to do that with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, and I think as much as they've had success with tight ends this year and the Jags, that's been another one of their weaknesses. I still don't think Jeff Swaim is a talented enough player to really be able to (laughs) dominate this Jaguars team. And I think when you go into a game, it's a divisional matchup. The Jaguars still probably have faith that they could catch the Tennessee Titans. They've still got to play them twice. And if other things happen with the way Titans have been playing in recent weeks, the Jags might have... Um, the capability to catch them and win this division, they'll be looking to this game with huge motivation and to make Mm. a statement. As you've said, Trevor Lawrence has been playing much better in recent weeks. So with all of that in mind, the fact that it's a divisional game, Come on, all you're, you're going to go for that. Four go points. I'm not going to go for it. I'm not, not. going to go for it. I might do. I'm going to make my decision a little bit later. There's still a couple of different things that I uh, need to consider over the next however long I have to make my choice. <laughs> about, about six minutes. Yeah, uh, about six minutes, exactly. But I will take the Jaguars. I've already taken the Jaguars plus four in this game. I do think the Tennessee Titans are the better team. And obviously, they're a great, well, very well coached team. But I think there will mm. be a little bit of uh, disruption because of what we've seen happen this week in terms of news. Like, I mean, when have you ever seen a divisional leader sack their GM mid-season? I mean, what has been going wrong there for that to be the case? And a pretty decent GM as well. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, that... And you think about the organisation. I know they're not the most hyped and and fashionable, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, it's not a big market side there and under-the-radar kind of crew. But that, that tag team looked good, you know, with him and Vrabel, they they felt like there was, unlike so many dysfunctional or underwhelming organizers, Arizona step up, the Chargers step up, the Browns, for the love of God. So they seemed, in contrast to those, yeah, just a really well-run, slick, together, organized. He was the organized, one who hired robust. Vrabel as well, wasn't he? He hired exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Well, came in at, you know, came in, yeah. Uh, so was he already there, actually, in push the button on him. Either way, they've their trajectory has been yeah, I'll say it simpatico. The there's five pounds in the charity box. The oh actually that reminds me we've got a fun you'll like this propo or just reminded me of a tweet we got a bit earlier on at the NC show. You can get in touch with us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok of course. Uh shout out to Nicholas Partridge. Nicholas says suffering from insomnia last night, saw on Twitter before bedtime the new show was hitting the pods. This is the one with me and Chris Milner, National Vintage uh, League uh, Channel 5, of course end zone. Chris Milner, it is a it is a decent show. He was great fun. Uh, and Nicholas has thought, why the hell not? Listen, it's 3.15. It goes on to say, simpatico, <laughs> asleep before football chat started. Because Chris and I did talk about a lot of stuff before we got, well, we were kind of talking football, weren't we? But his journey into the NFL, how he fell in love with it, his time in America, he's a stand-up bit of comedy chat. And then we got into, into our week 14 preview. Uh, simply saying your podcast is a dream, boys. Keep it up. Oh, thank you, Nicholas. We appreciate that. Um, 
oh, the boys on social did want to clarify did our show send him to sleep <laughs> or, whether, <laughs> or whether it was our relaxing dulcet tones but he uh he clarified no no he uh he really enjoyed it, it helped calm him get him to sleep so there we go uh also on twitter the original dax g more vikings love not a huge kirk fan and to be fair he's only clutch in the fourth quarter statistically one of his worst seasons but right up there in fourth quarter comebacks and points scored might lose in detroit might not skull baby says dax g uh uh, and that gets us well actually just before we do so you jacksonville we've kind of said your piece you like it it might be one on your slate but you're not going to have it as your drew lock Jack's no, i don't think i'm gonna have it as my drew lock at this moment in time the one thing that i do find confusing is this tennessee titans firing to be honest with you it has really kind of thrown me and i don't understand whether it's going to be one of those situations you know how like after we see a coach leave mid-season usually the team covers the spread after that because of the the extra motivation the bounce back but it's just such a bizarre thing to witness when you think about how well they've drafted in recent years when you think about the fact that he was the mastermind behind getting Tannehill with that what trade for a fourth round pick with the Mm. Dolphins, when everyone thought, what the hell are they doing in Tennessee? They picked up Genius. some really good people in free agency. Obviously, they drafted the likes of AJ Brown and Derek Henry, of course. You just, I find it fascinating, but it should uh, be very, very interesting. I think we might even either see a capitulation for the Tennessee Titans, or we might even see like a resurgence and mm. then maybe Mike Vrabel just completely controls this team from every aspect now. And from what we've seen on the field, if he can do the same off the field, then that could actually be beneficial for the Tennessee Titans. But I think when you've got a divisional game, this isn't a coaching mismatch. Doug Peterson, I have the faith in him to be able to scheme up enough for the likes of Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, to be able to exploit this weak Titan secondary which has always been their weakness. I think they're allowing the second most passing yards overall this season to um, in the NFL. I think that the Tennessee Titans sh- won't have enough to completely destroy the Jags and blow them out. And that's why I think the Jags will be able to stay in this game. And I'll take the four points, please. Mm, like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Crunch time. You know what? To buy you a few more precious seconds and me, quite, fr- quite frankly, let's hear... From the man of the moment, the man of the hour, Crystal Tom Collins. Let's get his Drew Lock of the Week first. We're a touchdown up now, gentlemen. 6-0 with my Drew Lock of the Week. I heard you doubting my 49ers pick last week, Nat, but there was never a moment of worry, aside from when Trent Sherfield housed it from 75 yards in the first minute. Anyway, I hope the listeners have joined the movements and cashed in in recent weeks. Let's kick the extra point and make it 7-0. This week's Drew Lock of the Week is the Pittsburgh Steelers minus 2.5 against the Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh made a slow start to the season. They were 2-6 and six through their first eight games, but that did include four games with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. Rookie Kenny Pickett then had to acclimatise to the NFL, which he's done very quickly and is now playing some good football. Fast forward a few weeks and the Steelers are now 5-7 and seven and looking for their fourth win from five games after victories over the Saints, Colts and Falcons. Their defence has really stepped up, while the O-line is finally creating gaps for Najee Harris to roll through. Once the run game gets going, we know the Steelers can consistently move the ball. Pickens, Fryermuth, and Johnson can all beat man coverage outside. Pittsburgh have also won their last four matchups against the Ravens, including a crucial win in the final game of the regular season last year, which sent them to the playoffs. Tyler Huntley led the Ravens that day. He threw for just 141 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, and will be their starting quarterback again here due to Lamar Jackson's injury. Huntley, who is very athletic, is way below Jackson's level as a passer and clearly has his faults. He's only thrown three touchdowns in 11 NFL games, averages around five yards per pass completion as he sticks to checkdowns and short routes, and often fails to feel pressure from edge rushers. The Ravens only scraped over the line 
uh, against the Broncos last week and will struggle without their star quarterback. Number one running back J.K. Dobbins and top receiver Rashad Bateman, all of whom are out, as well as boasting injuries across the defense. Give me Pittsburgh minus 2.5 against the Ravens. Pittsburgh Steelers at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Two and a half points mm. now. Your initial reaction? Bit of a gamble. I mean, of course, I like it a lot on the basis that Tyler Huntley starts. Yeah. There is, and he's likely to, but there is a chance Lamar starts. And then I'm worried, worried for Crystal Tom. But hey, Crystal Tom clearly has powers that us mere mortals don't. Yeah, it's true. I mean, honestly, there has been, I've had doubts over, I obviously loved his pick last week, which was the 49ers, but I've had doubts over a couple of his picks and without mm. fail, every single time he's come through, whether it's been by half a point, whether it's been by 10 points, he is uh, he is absolutely electric and there's no other word to describe him at this yeah. moment in time. I mean, honestly, like, you know how we always put Carlson up against a supercomputer? Yeah. <laughs> I think the supercomputer might be Tom Collins. <laughs> My God, of course. Why didn't that occur to me sooner? <laughs> Maybe that's it. He powers, or they just, there's this, this bond between him and supercomputer. Maybe, you know, were they raised together? <laughs> him and supercomputer were raised together as siblings. Of course. I mean, at the moment, I'm not going to argue with that theory propo because we're in a world right now where you're hearing all this narrative about AI is going to take over everything. Tom Collins is flying the flag for us human beings right now. So I uh, I am with him on that pick, even though there is a uh, danger. But look, he, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that, yeah, with Tyler Huntley as opposed to Lamar, yeah, like that pick a lot. Okay, and that's me saying I like the Kenny Pickett pick, right? Which is uh, big. Yeah, and you hate Kenny Pickett. We've established <laughs> I that. I do not hate Kenny Pickett. You just hate Tyler Huntley more. That's the thing. <laughs> I do you just, I hate you, Tyler Huntley? I don't yeah, you do Pickett. hate Tyler Huntley. You I, always go on about how much you hate Tyler Huntley. Well, I do actually always, uh, always, yeah, you always back against Tyler him. Huntley. He's actually not bad, a bad backup. I always talk about it. That's nonsense. Right. You know what? Let's double down with Crystal Tom because he's obviously in charge of the Taylor Heineke Akers. Let's see where he's going with that. Three Taylor Heineke Akers in a row. Come and make it four. You guys know the drill regarding how I formulate these by now. So let's kick off with the obvious starting selection, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers. My Drew Lock of the Week. They're trending upwards and now face a divisional rival that is going in the opposite direction. With Tyler Huntley starting for Baltimore, I'd be surprised if Pittsburgh didn't get the win. Second up is the Weekly Banker, a selection that will boost the odds of this accumulator. Nat and Proper, you mentioned this on the show last week, but taking on the Denver Broncos has proved a profitable strategy this year, and we'll do it again here with the Kansas City Chiefs. They just have far too much firepower and offensive quality for their AFC West opponents. Finally, adding the Detroit Lions at home against the Minnesota Vikings, who aren't as good as their 10-2 record suggests. Minnesota beat the New York Jets at home last week, 27-22, but the Jets had over 200 more yards on offense and just struggled to convert easy third downs. The Lions have a quarterback in good form, two contrasting running backs to get the job done through the air and on short yardage plays, and a wide receiver in Amon Ra St. Brown that will cause Viking corners all kinds of trouble. This week's Taylor Heineke-Yaka selections are the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Denver Broncos, and the Detroit Lions to beat the Minnesota Vikings. We're looking at just over 5-2 to two with SBK. So now I've got a slight alarm bell ringing in my head proper because as we established, Crystal Tom, electric as you say, in the Acre, in the Taylor Heineke-Yaka, has gone with the Lions. Now, admittedly, the Ack is a straight-up pick, but on my shortlist for my Drew Lock of the Week are the Vikings. 
plus two and a half. And I think I'm going to trust in Crystal Tom and scratch that off my shortlist. If he's back in the Lions, I am going to take that off my shortlist. Now, another pick in that game still exists, which is the over. Yeah. 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 And I think I'm down. I'm down to three picks now on my my Drew Lock shorts. How many have you got on yours? About six. Yeah. God. Okay. We should talk about the Vikings-Lions game a little bit just because it is really interesting because you've got a 10-2 and team going to a divisional rival outside of the playoffs, the Detroit Lions, who a lot of people wrote off earlier in the year. Yeah. And the Detroit are two and a half point favorites. And I think that just for some information to listeners, this is the perfect example of a pros versus Joe's game. This line has been set by the bookies to trap people into taking the Minnesota Vikings. They clearly want to take people's money and they want people to initially look at this on a Sunday when they're making their ACO and they're having a bet and go, what? The Minnesota Vikings are underdogs against the Detroit Lions? Of course I'm going to back that. And the bookies are taking that risk. And whenever... You look at a line and you think, what the hell is that? Like, obviously, I'm going to bet the Minnesota Vikings or I'm going to bet that side. That's when you always need to sort of double take and be like, okay, why are they doing this? What's the reason for this? And should I actually side with the bookies in this instance? And that's usually Mm. what pros will do. Pros will look at that and go, okay, the Detroit Lions should be able to completely exploit this Vikings defense. And they should be able to go toe-to-toe with the likes of St. Brown and uh, Jamal Williams, obviously being incredible so far this season. So it's a very, very interesting game. If the Minnesota Vikings cover this spread, I think you will see a lot of sharp brains and sharp minds very very frustrated but Mm. the good news is i guess for the bookies is they win either way because there's so much money coming in now in detroit that they win even if the vikings right uh cover but at the same time there's so many tickets on minnesota that they probably win even if detroit cover i i I get it pros joes get it the vikings have beaten the lions already this season yeah I, I mean, honestly, it's. I think you look at it, and you, know, you would expect the Minnesota Vikings to come away with the victory. I would. I'm expect... getting, getting too. I mean, we love the Lions. Oh, who doesn't love the Lions? And they're going on this run. And Jared Goff's come out and said he's playing the best football of his career, and he's probably got another year there now at least. And Dan Campbell, a couple of weeks back, we thought, oh no, is Dan Campbell going to lose his job? And they put this run together, outside shot at some crazy left field playoff tilt. But we love them. We love them, and they're explosive and they exciting football. All of that flawed cavalier kind of team right built in the model of their head coach are we getting a bit too carried away with all of that and a bit too carried away on the vikings are rubbish the vikings are the worst 10 and 2 side i've ever seen what the one score game with this chris milner was talking about it on on our preview show he was very much and he's not alone obviously that they're frauds i think he said they're fraud. the vikings are frauds they've won so many one score games i look at that as yeah, you're winning one-score games consistently. You're pretty clutch. There are a lot of one-score games in football. And if you're winning a lot of them, yeah, they're not going to steamroll over you. They're not built that way. Mm. I like the over a lot in this propo because it Minnesota doesn't have a great D. Detroit, as we established earlier on, are giving up amongst the most points in football. Their offense is rolling right now. And Minnesota proved in the game earlier in the season they could run all over this Detroit D. So Dalvin Cook could have a big game. The the over the total is fifty two and a half. It's up yeah. to now. Mm, yeah, it's in a dome. tricky number. In a dome, in a dome. It's on my because that's on my shortlist. Yeah. The other two are, are heavy favorites, which worries the hell out of me for backdoor cover central. 
one is the Chiefs, and that line's got up to nine and a half now uh-huh. against the Broncos. Uh-huh. I still think they're going to roll all over them. But I think where I'm leaning most of all is the biggest, biggest line of the week. 16 and a half, the Cowboys-Texans. I think the Cowboys, and I know Davis Mills is back. As you yeah, said, the mobile, that's huge. The backdoor cover is my fear here. I think I think the Cowboys are going to win comfortably. Oh boy, I don't know. I don't know which way I'm going to lean. I'm going to know which way I'm going to lean. The over, the over in Minnesota, Detroit, or the Cowboys, sixteen and a half. Do you know what's really interesting? And I just had to refresh my page to make sure this was correct. The yeah. uh, so Dallas minus sixteen and a half. The tickets fifty nine percent on Dallas to uh, cover the spread. Seventy percent of the cash is on Dallas to cover the spread. So there's no real split there. In fact, more money is actually coming in on Dallas than Houston. But at plus hmm. 940, so I guess what, closing in on 10 to 1, yeah, there is more cash coming on the Houston Texans to win the game than there is on the Dallas Cowboys. Now that is because obviously you'd have to put on Valley. 100 pounds to get five pounds back on the Crazy Dallas Cowboys. Crazy long shot. But at the same Crazy time, who the bets. hell is betting on the t- Texans t- to be the Cowboys in <laughs> Dallas? That is wild. If you are, please get in touch at the NC show because uh, I'd love to hear your reasoning. It is those guys who backed, you know, the stories of, oh, that guy who won 50 grand on Leicester winning the Premier League. It's, what? Yeah, How much I'm... money have you lost on ridiculous bets? <laughs> yeah. If you won that one, it's the same guy, I think, that did that. That is uh, incredible. So, shall I give you my for mine and then we can both decide together? Because I think I've it. probably got three and there's also one that's uh, quite interesting. So, why... I quite like the dogs this week, Nat. I quite like the dogs. One would be the New York Giants at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, getting seven points, that key number Mm. seven. I know the New York Giants are incredibly injured right now. I know they've been on a terrible run in recent weeks. They managed to get the divisional draw against the Washington Commanders last week. They showed some spirit, and this team is still coached very well by Brian Dable. You've got Daniel Jones, who's playing for his career. He is playing for this team to make the playoffs. They have Saquon Barkley. Yes, the Eagles stopped Derrick Henry last week, mm. but Saquon Barkley is a different threat. You can't just sort of load the box and stop him. He's going to get outside the box and he is going to cause some issues. And as much as I don't expect the Giants necessarily to be able to put up many points on this team, I do expect them to be able to control the clock with both Jones and Barkley on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that Brian Dable will have a master plan for this one. We've already seen the Eagles lose to the Commanders. It's a tough division and I think seven points is too many at this moment in time. Now, the other one goes directly against you, Nat. And this, I said to you, I was feeling ill about some of my thoughts for Drew Locks this week. Yeah. Broncos, plus nine and a half. I can't uh, believe I'm saying this because I hate the Denver Broncos. I, I made so much money that. betting against them this season, especially on the unders in those games. I mean, I'm about to sneeze and I think that's just the perfect because <laughs> I, I just think I'm allergic to betting on the Broncos. I've actually not stopped the sneeze, which I don't think I've ever done in my life. But yeah, I think I am allergic to betting on the Broncos. I'm not sure if that's a sign, but it's just, again, they're a divisional team at home. They've lost all chance of making the playoffs. So they don't have motivation week in, week out anymore, except when they go up against a scout by the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. in a divisional game at home, in Denver, and I think that this is a perfect opportunity for Russell Wilson to try and claw back some respect, even though he's lost all of it so far this season. This defense is good enough 
to cause Kansas City Chiefs and his offense problems. We've seen that again. I mean, they are insane how good this defense is. It's a top three defense in the NFL. And the Kansas City Chiefs, we saw them get exploited by the Bengals last week defensively. And I think there will be some scope for the Denver Broncos to move the ball. I was hoping this number was going to be 10. Mm. I won't lie to you. Nine and a half, mm-hmm. a little bit scarier. And I think there's a chance for a backdoor cover either way. I think you could either see mm. the Kansas City Chiefs run away with this game in the fourth quarter, or I think the Denver Broncos could suddenly get a touchdown when the Kansas City Chiefs sleep, as we've seen so many times in uh, over the past couple of years. It's it's This, is, this is, to give you a bit of confidence in this, this, was, this is via The Athletic, this stat. The Broncos are tied for the second best point differential through 12 games, which is minus 38, amongst the 56 teams since 2000 to start three and nine. So basically, according to uh, the Athletic, facetiously, I think they're one of the best three and nine teams in history. (laughs) So that gives you a little more confidence that, I mean, I hear you. It's a dangerous number. That's why ultimately I've gone away from it. And the backdoor cover, look, the backdoor cover worries me in in the Cowboys game for sure, probably even more so here. So yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. What's the other one? So the third one on your list. No, the third one would be the over in the Dolphins charges. It was, oh, so mm. the Chargers moved back to three and a half. See, that's, that's oh, tempting. Get on there, get on there proper. Yeah, get I am going right. to get on that right now. Hopefully I'll be able to get this out in time for people to also get on that. I think it'll depend on which book you use, but SBK can currently get it at three and a half. But I think I'm going to go with the New York Giants now. I think I'm going to go plus seven, New York Giants. It's a key number going up against a divisional rival, Philadelphia Eagles at home, at MetLife. I'm scared. I don't want to. I'm going to bet both the Broncos and the Giants, and I'm not going to watch either game. I hope I don't have to watch either game because I think they're <laughs> going to be horrendous for me. And they're not teaser games. Like, I'm backing this because I think these this, these situations will occur. But at the same time, the Giants could lose by 25 mm. and the Broncos could lose by 40. So <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, it's my gut. And I think that these lines are too inflated. Okay. Crunch time. I am going to go. <laughs> I'm just waiting for this pick. And I watch the first, I see the first three quarters on red zone. Every time it cuts to it, I'm like, yep, sorted. And then, then watch the fourth quarter play out and the backdoor cover to roll in. But I'm going to back the Cowboys to cover at 16 and a half. I, I like it. I, I do. I will definitely take action on the Vikings Lions over as well. Those are, I think, well, obviously my two favorite, favorite picks of the week. Um, and I'm going to have a lot of fun backing both of those, right? Because if Vikings Lions is a shootout, happy days. Uh, and the Cowboys could really turn it on. I think they will. I think they'll steamroll over them. I think they're in in the zone right now. Big number. I'm in. I'm in. Cowboys 16 and a half. Cowboys 16 and a half. I'm not sure I'm going to go with you on that one because I am terrified of the backdoor cover. I will <laughs> go with you on the Vikings lines over because I do expect that to come in. Do you think that's the, the better pick out of the two? Um, I think I prefer it. I don't think it's necessarily the better pick because I have lost I'm one of those idiots who's just backed Houston, the Houston Texans too many times so far this yeah. season yeah. because I just keep thinking that the bookies are underestimating them and every single time they've got them exactly right <laughs> yeah. that they are the terrible team that we expect them to be but I always just kind of love how many points they get and I just need mm. to stay away from mm-hmm. but because I think they're just that team that I just can't get right every time I go against them they cover the spread every time I go mm. with them they don't so I need to stay away from the Houston Texans whereas Vikings Lions I've loved backing Lions overs so far this season I can't remember was it the Lions Dolphins I can't remember which game it was or was it the reverse fixture of this I can't remember which one where I backed the Lions 
over in it that they had like 96 points in that game so mm. I've always had enjoyment backing the line so far this season and it's getting that deep into the season where we all have those weird sort of views and those weird superstitions about mm. teams and players and I think it's just been long enough since I backed the Denver Broncos that I'm going to be tempted in to go back in with them this week but yeah the Houston Texans are a scary one for me in terms mm. of Baker bold pick I would yeah. probably be going on the Jacksonville Jaguars as my Baker Bowl pick. Obviously, throw a little bit of the Giants in there. I can't see the Denver Broncos beating the Chiefs. So I can't. Is this that any one. dog as money line? Isn't it a Baker Bowl pick? Any dog, so, yeah. So even it can be shot. I mean, the, the the Bengals were only three points underdogs last week, and that was still a Baker Bowl pick. It's basically an underdog. Yeah, I guess. I mean, looking at the slate, I think I'm gonna go Vikings. You could go with. Technically. I guess. I, yeah, I was looking at that. I guess I'd say Vikings are directly opposing uh, Crystal Tom. I quite like the Vikings, or I was going to say potentially the Bucks would be a Baker mm. Bowl pick as well, which isn't outside the realms of possibility. Why don't I go? Yeah, I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to take the Bucks as my Baker Bowl. Yeah, the Bucks Baker Bowl up. pick. So the Bucks and the Jacksonville Jaguars are our Baker Bowl picks. We've actually been doing mm. pretty well so far on the Baker mm. Bowl picks. It has to be said. We each of us has hit one each week, which means we'll definitely be in the profit, considering they're all underdogs. Uh, in terms of my prop bets. This week, they're all quite basic ones, actually, but it is just me hitting similar notes to what we've seen in recent weeks, or at least reacting. I've already mentioned Mm -hmm. how big of a game I expect from Andre Stevenson to have. I think him to score a touchdown, there's decent value on in Monday Night Football against, sorry, on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals. Stevenson has just, is the centerpiece of this offense. All they do is run the ball, screen passes, check downs, and they're going up against a Cardinals team that has already allowed 13 rushing touchdowns this season. So I see some value on this, and that's even without the receiving touchdowns to running backs. We've already spoke about him so much. Amon Rasen Brown, what mm. a player he is. What a season he is having in the past two weeks. 20 receptions, over 200 yards, three touchdowns, and I think seven and a half receptions. I think that's too low for a player who is the focal part of this offense. And he's obviously averaging 10 over the past two weeks. And that's the adjustment since Hawkinson left. So I think Amon Rasen Brown to be a big part of this offense, which both me and Nat expect to score a lot of points this weekend and then the other one is Travis Kelsey over six and a half receptions I know I said I like the Broncos but I love the Broncos defensively and I think they'll be able to take away the majority of the Kansas City Chiefs weapons but that being said what happens when you take away all of the other factors in this offense from the Chiefs Travis Kelsey's the one who comes to fruition and also I listened to his podcast with his brother Jason Kelsey it's absolutely brilliant if you haven't listened Mm. to it he sounded angry after that fumble (laughs) against the Bengals last week and I don't think you want to go into a week against Travis Kelsey when he is angry. He only had four uh, four catches for 56 yards last week. But apart from that, he's been dominant in almost every game this year. He's been very, very impressive in divisional games as well. And as much as this Broncos D will throw everything at Mahomes, I think that means he's likely to go to his safety blanket, Travis Kelsey. So I like Kelsey over six and a half receptions. There we go. The Propo, Prop Bets of the Week locked in. Everything is... So you are all set for week 14 of the NFL. If you're going to have some action, take some action. Well, of course, be responsible. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org and do everything in moderation. Uh, we're back with FFS tomorrow. Uh, the Guru Sandrini in the house. Uh, so look forward to that and catching up with him in the vault with Chris Milner. I'm Mike as well. Back in business Monday episode is a corker so go and listen to that propo brilliant stuff bud saluting you look after yourself good luck with these uh good luck with these picks bro yeah i can't wait for the uh passive aggressive message on sunday
<laughs> oh god why did i back the over now i'm gonna regret it, I'm gonna to regret it. i get to, that gets to i get to like sneak that in if it comes in and then the cowboys does, does it we'll just go back and edit this part <laughs> really badly really clunkily i will edit the part my true lock of the week is over Vikings. yeah should we do it for every single episode and just start blagging next week that you've suddenly got like 14 and oh oh boy hey the comeback's on i remember what you promised three in a row so remember, three in a row, you're going to go back through all the vault and pick all of our picks and see who's actually that's, ahead. Then. I, can't I can't imagine. Wait. What, can't what wait. a Christmas. What a Christmas that would be. Merry Christmas, everyone. And then if I lose two more, Coco and Pebbles out of the bullpen. There's a lot riding. Uh, there's a lot at stake. We'll be back with the best tomorrow. The God's Podcast Network. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.